Welcome to the Valley Church. Our mission is to see changed lives, and we hope this relevant teaching inspires you to take the next step in your journey. Thanks for checking out the podcast and enjoy the message. Well, good morning. I'm Andy Monin. I'm Mark Coulter. Yeah, and we are so excited to be with you this morning. It is Easter Sunday, and we're excited about what's coming up. We're going to be doing a new sermon series called Blueprint, and we're going to look at what the, the blueprint, God's blueprint is for families, and, and what's this thing all about, really? Yeah, it's going to be a really neat series, and as Andy said, it is going to be the blueprint. What's God's blueprint for marriage? What's his blueprint for raising children? Even his blueprint for how do we handle conflict in our marriage or in our relationship. So it's not just for those who are married, even for those who have kids. It's for all of us who interact with people. And the idea is that it goes back to God's original blueprint. When we follow God's blueprint, things work out better. And so we're going to start right in Genesis chapter 2 next week. It's amazing how when you follow the design, it all works out. Well, for the next four weeks, we're going to be doing this series. You will not want to miss it. Uh, encourage you to invite a friend along uh, so to, to join us on this journey. So again, start next Sunday. We're going to start right in Genesis chapter 2. Maybe you kind of want to start working into that. So, something else exciting is happening, Mark. We have never done this as a church. Uh, we're going to actually give a dollar away uh, to something called Epidemic of Love. That's a fun we've started to help families who, who are in need through this coronavirus thing, uh, to, to help them or to actually give money to partner organizations throughout our communities. We're going to give a dollar away for every person who views this service. And uh, so I, I just want to encourage you right now, man, it is time for them to begin to invite somebody. We're going to give up to $10,000 away. We've never done this. And uh, man, with, with the power of social media, a lot could have happened today, couldn't it? There, it could. And we're so blessed. We're just so blessed. And we want to be a blessing to others. That's what Jesus has called us to do, is be a blessing. And so if you're watching us online this morning, uh, do the old uh, wave with the emoji, you know, or a comment. We'd love to know you're there. And as Andy said, share this, uh, invite others. If you're hosting Facebook watch parties, invite some more people right now. We want to bless our area and bless people as much as we can during this really tough time. Yeah. Well, you know, we're in, uh, in a sermon series called Viewmaster, and we're looking uh, at the gospel through Luke's eyes, uh, it, who really, actually, he's recording the, the, the accounts that other people are sharing with them, that, that with him, that, that have experienced the life and time of Jesus, what, what he's been doing on his time here in his ministry here on earth. And uh, man, we're, we're at the empty tomb today. We're, we're at uh, the believers, who, who, the people who believe, we're, we're looking at their view into this life. And, and I got a question for you. Have you ever had something happen that you weren't expecting? Ha have you ever experienced something that you just weren't expecting? And because you weren't expecting it, you just plain outright missed it. Well, I have. Um, in fact, maybe some of you have, have experienced some of that. Mark, I bet this has happened to you. Uh, I, I met some of you and uh, on, on Sunday mornings or whenever around here, we've shaken hands a few times. And, and, and I know you in this environment. Then, then fast forward and we go to like Kroger's or somewhere else and, and you'll say my name. Hey, Pastor Andy, and I'll see you, but I just don't for some reason it doesn't click because I'm not expecting to see you where we're seeing you. I'm, I'm expecting to see you at church and it clicks there, but it doesn't click here. And sometimes when that happens, we just sort of just miss things, don't we, Mark? Well, I saw a documentary on Pearl Harbor and this, this phenomenon really like, like sometimes it's not, it's kind of funny and other times it's like really life-changing, like, like shattering. 
um, Pearl Harbor happened. It's, it's, uh, it, we think of it as a place, a harbor, right? But it's more than just a place. It's an event. It's this cataclysmic, seismic moment in history, really. And uh, Pearl Harbor was, it was in World War II. Uh, the, the U.S. Navy moved their ships to Pearl Harbor. We had air bases there. It was kind of the forward operating base and in our war with Japan. That gave us a, a, an opportunity to, 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 to move toward Japan uh, and, and protect the United States, the mainland. Well, uh, we, we had, we had uh, the, the ships there on Battleship Row, and they really didn't expect that the Japanese could do anything at, at Pearl Harbor. They couldn't reach it. They just didn't have the capacity. Well, lo and behold, uh, the Japanese sent aircraft carriers toward Pearl Harbor with ships, uh, with aircraft on them, rather, and, uh, and, and, and it was done in secret. So the United States didn't know about it. They didn't detect it. And, uh, and these, these, after these ships got in place, they set in motion a plan to destroy Pearl Harbor. They sent up over 400 aircraft. They flew into Pearl Harbor. They decimated the place in one very uh, seismic action, really. Uh, they wiped out all the airplanes down Battleship Road. They bombed all the, all, all the ships. Many of them were sunk. And it was only, it was only by, by a coincidence that some of the aircraft carriers actually weren't there as well or they had been lost. Now, now here's the amazing thing about all that, Mark, is that didn't have to happen. It didn't have to go down the way it did. You see, there, there were some intelligence intercepts that week before and a couple of weeks before that, it's, that, that had given the, the, the higher command indication that there was going to be an attack. And then they had actually put a new radar installation on, on the end of one of the islands. And, and, and there were two soldiers manning this radar installation. They saw this first wave of, of fighters come, these 180 fighters, this first wave that was coming. They saw the radar signature, blew up on their screen. They called higher headquarters and guess what? Higher headquarters said, there's, there's no way. It's impossible. And they dismissed it outright because they weren't expecting it to happen. You see, when you and I don't expect things to happen, sometimes we miss what God really wants to do. It's kind of similar to the story that Luke tells us for the Easter story. Jesus had been telling his disciples for a while that he was going to die, he was going to be crucified, and then he's going to be raised from the dead. And, and they did really didn't get it. Uh, they understood the concept of crucifixion because they had seen that. That was something the Roman Empire had kind of perfected. And so seeing people crucified was, was nothing new to them. But the resurrection was just something they flat out kind of just dis dismissed. And as a result, they missed the signs. They missed all the things that God was wanting to do in and through this. And uh, that's usually what happens. When we miss it, like in the story of Pearl Harbor, we miss what God really wants to do. It kind of reminded me of something in my life recently that I missed about three months ago or so. I went through one of those kind of exhaustion phases where I just kind of hit the wall, a lot going on at one time. And I, I thought it was mostly just due to I was working too much. I was putting work before my, my marriage and before the kids and all that. And, and as I went through that process, I realized I was missing it all. I went through that because I wasn't honoring the Sabbath, which I kind of preach on. Uh, so I guess that would be hypocritical. I wasn't honoring that consistently. Uh, I also, as I was just peeling back the layers, realized I, was miss I missed something huge. Pride had started coming up into my life, and yeah. I was trying to do everything on my own, and I wasn't asking for help, and I wasn't going to those who were a lot better at certain things than I was, and I was just trying to take it all on. And so because I missed those things in the middle of it, 
I went through an experience that I probably could have avoided if I'd been paying more attention. Yeah, and you know, Mark, that can happen to all of us. When we, when we don't expect something to happen, we plain just dismiss it. We don't see it. And, and the reality is at Easter, uh, and, and the, with the message of Jesus Christ, if we don't expect that God can raise Jesus from the dead, that he, that he can raise you and I from the dead, we're going to miss Easter. And the question I have for all of us today, we've been through lots of Easter's, right? Some of us more than others, right? H- have you missed Easter? Have you missed what Easter is all about? You know, Easter really means Resurrection Sunday. That, that's what that term means. And, and have you missed Resurrection Sunday? Have you missed a resurrection in your own life? It's, it's a question all of us need to face in our lives because if we missed Easter Sunday, if we've missed the resurrection that God wants to do in us, and if we missed the resurrection that he's done for all of us, we're gonna miss what's most important in life. And Mark, Luke records this eyewitness account of, of, of some people who have this experience after the crucifixion that I think just like really illuminates this all for us. So Mark, let's, let's dig in. Yeah, we're gonna dive right in this morning. And so if you have your Bibles with you as you're watching, pull those out. If you have your Bible app on your phone, join along. We're gonna be in Luke chapter 24. It'll be on your TV screens or on your iPhones or on your tablets or, or on YouTube if you're watching uh, through that this morning too. And I'm going to unpack some, and then Andy's going to kind of take it from there. But we're going to start in verse 1 of chapter 24. And Luke says, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. And so it says the first day of the week. And so just kind of a recap, you know, Jesus died on a Friday. He went to the cross around 9 a.m. And by about 3 p.m., he, he passed away. And then uh, Joseph of Arimathea, came. He had a tomb, and they said, well, who can take this guy? And he said, I can take him. I have an empty tomb. So he took him, took him to the tomb, took a huge stone, and rolled it in front. And then on Saturday, which is the Jewish Sabbath, a day of rest for them, nothing really, you know, transpired then, but then pick it up on Sunday morning, and they go to the tomb, and they find it's empty. Yeah. And it says when they got there, it says they found the stone rolled away, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, other accounts tell us that the women were on the way to the tomb, they were more focused on the stone than they were anything else. You know, that tells me that they really didn't expect to find Jesus there. They really didn't expect to find that Jesus had left. They actually did expect to find him there if they could get in. Their biggest concern was, who's gonna roll the stone away? They were women. They didn't have the strength to roll it away. This was not some small little pebble. This was a huge stone that was designed to cover the entrance so that thieves and animals couldn't get in. So that, like this wasn't a minor deal. And it really strikes me that their main focus wasn't on whether Jesus would be gone from the tomb. They didn't expect that at all. They were more focused on whether the stone would be rolled away and who was going to do it. And I just wonder if you and I, sometimes we, we, we let the wrong thing become our focus. We're wondering who's going to roll the stone away in our life, whatever that stone is. Maybe it's a financial problem that you're, you're in the midst of. And with coronavirus, maybe you've lost your job. And you're not sure how you're going to, how, who's going to move the stone for you. Maybe it's a, a marriage relationship that's, that's fallen apart or, or there's some some problems there. Maybe it's just in your own personal life. You just don't know what your purpose is and and you feel this despair in your life. You don't know how you're going to move forward, whatever it might be. And, And all of us need somebody to move the stone away. And these women were like really focused on that. 
But, but the reality is because they were so focused on the stone, they really missed, it tells me they missed the, the, the reality that God was gonna do something great in that moment. And, and so th- when they get there and when they find that the body of the Lord, the stone has already moved away and they find that the body of the Lord Jesus isn't there, like to say that they're confused is to put it mildly, right? They, 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 they really have no basis for understanding what's just happened. And it says, while they were wondering about this, so that like, like what happened? What, what, what's going on? And they're trying to sort through all the possibilities of why this body is gone. It says, suddenly two men, Enclosed. By the way, these two men aren't really men. These are, these are angels uh, that appear to them. It says that gleam like lightning stood beside him. Uh, you know, sometimes when we, when we see scenes in, uh, of the Bible in movies or, or in pictures, like it's overdone, right? It's just blown up kind of deal. I don't think that's the case here. Like that had to be one of those moments where it was just spectacular. And these two angels are standing there and, and, and they're wondering what's going on. But, but they have to know in that moment, I have to think, Mark, that they realize, ooh, ooh something big is going on. Yeah, something special. Special has definitely happened here. And it tells us in verse 5, as you're reading along with us today, it says, In their fright, which that would scare you if you saw two guys, Jesus gone and two guys, two angels there, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. And I think that first question, why do you look for the living among the dead? I think that's something I've done in my life, and I'm sure others of us had too. We look for hope in all the wrong things and all the wrong places. And that doesn't actually lead to life. It quite does the opposite. It can lead to not only spiritual death, but in some cases, even physical. But then it goes on, and this, I just love this. It says, he is not here. He is not here. He has risen. That's what we're celebrating today. Andy, for me, that's probably my favorite verse in all the Bible. I tell you what, it it really has to be, doesn't it? The the reality is the Bible's full of promises. When you read this from from front to back, you you hear about the story of God. And when you read about the story of God, you, you also read about the commands of God, but you read about the promises that God gives us. And it's all the way through. And yet none of those promises are any good if, if God doesn't raise Jesus from the dead. Like, like they are null and void because if, if God can't raise himself from the dead, if he can't defeat death, how, how's he gonna keep the promises that he's made us? And, and you know, because God was able to raise Jesus from the dead, you and I have hope. We have hope that somebody can roll the stone away. We have hope that God can do something in our life and because he resurrected himself, maybe he can do something major in our life. You, you know, sometimes people want to downplay the resurrection. They say, well, some of these miraculous things in the Bible are like, I don't know if I want to believe that. And, and I wonder if that's what the church in Corinth was thinking. Uh, Paul is this great missionary uh, planner, church planner, right? And he's going all over through the, to, through the known world of the time in the, in the first century, in, first, in these, just these first few years after Jesus has, has died and rose from the dead. And, and he's planting these churches all over and there's this church called Corinth and they get a lot of things wrong, by the way. They, so do we, right? We, we're a good church. We're, we're not perfect and, and neither were they. They had some issues. But one of the things I think 
Corinth might have been dealing with was this idea that, you know, some of these things, I'm not sure it it matters. I'm not sure it's all that important. And and look what Paul says is is the most important thing that kind of, it's the hinge about all the other things that that we need to believe. It's really the hinge for all those. Look what he says to the church in Corinth. He says, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. He doesn't say it's second. He doesn't say it's somewhere near the top. He says, as of first importance. This is the most important thing. If you don't get anything else, I need you to understand that the resurrection is key. That, that's what he's saying. He says that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That You see, the resurrection without Christ dying for our sins, what, we're on the outside then. But he says, and. He, it's not in there, but it's implied that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day. You, you see, he says there's nothing more important than that. So you can't, you, you can't really have a relationship with Jesus Christ and trust him for the big things unless you believe that God raised him from the dead. And, and he wants to impress that on us. And I think no other event in history is more important than the resurrection. Yeah, you're right. And, hey, I don't want you to miss this. So, so hang with us. Uh, don't, you know, go surfing on the web. Don't, I want you to catch what we're going to say right here because we're going to continue because Paul, the Apostle Paul is in, he said, nails it right on the head in verse 12. He says, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And get this, really, really listen to this real close. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is what? Useless. Jesus. And so is our faith. Wow. <laughs> our faith is useless. If it wasn't for the resurrection of Jesus, that's why this is the most pivotal thing. This separates Christianity from any other religion or faith out there. Every other religion or faith out there, the leader is dead. He's dead. Jesus is alive and well. Yeah. And as I got thinking about that, it's a game changer on every front. But I jotted down three reasons or three things. Why does it matter if Jesus rose from the dead? Why does it matter to me, to you, Andy? Why does it matter to those who are watching today? One thing was because he rose from the dead, cemetery gates are no longer locked. In other words, death doesn't hold anything on us. If you're a follower of Christ, Death is simply the beginning. Actually, I share that every time I'm going to a funeral. If you're a follower of Christ, death is not the end. It's actually the beginning of the life God designed to live for all, all eternity. And you know, Mark, I, th- I don't think there's a, there's a time maybe in history that that means, means more, yeah. uh, as if, at least in our lifetime, about the, 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 the fear and the anxiety over the coronavirus. I, I, I think sometimes if, if we'll put that into perspective, bad things can happen and do happen in this life but the reality is this life isn't all there is. And so when you put that in perspective, it takes a lot of the anxiety and the fear away. Yeah, oh, totally. And, and also because of the resurrection, life's toughest challenges can be overcome. Because Jesus came flying out of the grave, the tough challenges that I have in my life, that I'm sure you do too, that those watching, right? I mean, let's be real, right? There's a lot of tough challenges going on in our world today with loss of job and, and health and, and fear and all the different things that can just consume us. If you're a follower of Christ this morning, 
that doesn't have to hold you back. No, you, you, you know, it, 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 the resurrection isn't just about us having a life with God forever in heaven, but it's about overcoming the challenges that we have right here. And, and that's part of the promise of the resurrection. Oh yeah, it's totally it. Because of the resurrection, we have something to live for. And we have something to die for. Like your life can have an incredible purpose because Jesus rose and because he's alive and well, and because you and I can have the power of the Holy Spirit living within us, our life can have meaning and purpose and, and hope and the things that just are incredible here. And then honestly, we even have something to die for. We have something so big in our life that such a great purpose that some have, some have died because of that. It's something incredible to, to live for and to die for. Yeah. Uh, well, Mark, I, I got a question for you. Why does it matter? Why, why, I, we just talked about that, but in the sense of why, why did Jesus have to die and why did he have to rise from the dead for you and me? Well, why did all that have to happen? Couldn't have God done it another way? It's a good question, Andy. And, and uh, if you know me, you know, sometimes I'll use baseball metaphors to get there. And so bear with me if you don't like <laughs> baseball. Just hang tight. Uh, although I am mourning this a little bit. This might baseball. be the only baseball we get this year. So <laughs> Yeah, <roll. laughs> yeah, right. This could be it. So, uh, but I'm I, I reminded of the story. There's a guy by the name of John Sakalinas. Um, he was the head coach at Pepperdine University and then Cal State Panoma, uh, really successful college baseball coach. And because of that, he was invited in, in 1996 to speak at the American Baseball Coaches Association, which was a gathering of about 5,000 coaches, uh, all levels from Little League on up to the professional in Nashville. And so he's a, one of the keynote speakers, and he comes up, and he's 78 years old. He, by that time, had retired, but really successful. And he comes up to give his talk, and he has the most interesting necklace on. In fact, what he did was took a chain and put a home plate on it. So picture this, where you are. He's standing up there to give a speech with a home plate hanging around his neck. And for the next 25 minutes, he goes on and just talks baseball. He talks about pitching mechanics and hitting and base running and strategy and all this. And then at the very end, he says, oh, by the way, uh, you're, you're probably wondering why I have a home plate hanging around my neck. And of course, there's snickers and some laughs. And he said, well, he goes, I actually have a reason for that. And, and it's going to be what I learned about home plate in my 78 years of life. And he goes on and he says, is there any Little League coaches out there? And there's, you know, hands go up. And he said, well, how wide is home plate? And someone yells out 17 inches. And he's like, yeah, you're right, 17 inches. He said, do I have any Babe Ruth, you know, youth league coaches out there? And others raise their hand. And he said, well, how wide is home plate? And again, someone yells out 17 inches. He's like, you're correct. And then he says, you, you know, you college guys and you pro guys, how wide is home plate? And they're all like, and before they even can say, it, he's like 17 inches. And he said, here's what I've learned. At the professional rank, if a pitcher at the pro level can't hit that 17 inches, we send them, we send them to this place called Pocatello, okay? And Pocatello essentially is, in baseball lingo, to the pasture. Like, we're going to give them the pink slip, but they can't hit the 17 inches. Where's the, the real Pocatello at? I think, actually, the real Pocatello is literally a small town in southwest uh, Idaho. And we're sorry, Idaho, but yeah, okay. Yeah. However they came up with that. But he, <laughs> but he said, here's my point. At the professional level, they don't change the standard. They don't change the standard. They don't make the plate bigger. They send you to Pocatello. Yeah. And, and you know, some of us, the thing that we think about life is that maybe God's just going to change the standard and let us all in. That, 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 that no matter what we do, it's just going to be okay. And, and, and the reason Jesus had to die on the cross is because all of us have sinned. 
All of us have messed up. We've crossed the boundary. We haven't hit the 17 inches. We've done our own thing. And the reality is we're, gonna, we're sending ourselves to Pocatello. It's not God sending us. We, with, our, with the choices that we make, the decisions that we make, we send ourselves. Whatever we choose in this life is the trajectory we choose for all eternity. And, and heaven, being in God's presence, is a gift that he gives us. And we all want that, Right. But the reality is we have to hit the 17 inches. And he makes it, it, it sounds like a narrow way. Well, it is kind of narrow. God has a plan for all of us. And if we'll hit that, then he's, got to, he's going to take care of us. Now, the reality is that none of us have hit the 17 inches all the time. We, we messed up. And so Jesus had to go die on the cross so that, so that he could pay the price for our sins. You see, none of us can get in heaven without hitting that 17 inches so the the standard is perfection and, and we can't hit that so jesus the perfect sinless sacrifice died for us so that so that he could pay the price for our sin you see otherwise none of us none of us get to stay in the game and Jesus had told the disciples that he was going to do that that that's exactly why he had to die on the cross because because they couldn't save themselves and he had, had to die on the cross in their place. But, but when he did, he was going to rise three days later. And, and they would see that he had the power he, that he, to, to, to defeat death, that he was who he says he was. And, and he had told the disciples that over and over and over. And yet they missed it. They missed it. They go, they, they go, to, the, they go to the tomb and, and they miss it. They, they still wonder who's going to roll roll the stone away and they don't realize God's going to roll the stone away that, that he's going to take care of he doesn't need anybody in a human aspect to do that and, and look when we get into verse 7 it says remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee the son of man must be delivered over the hands of sinners uh, to be crucified and on the third day be raised again it said then they remembered his words the, the reality is that that, that they didn't expect that God could do what he said he could do. And, and, and because Peter and the other disciples hadn't expected God to be God, that they hadn't expected him to be able to defeat death. They really didn't believe God could do the impossible. And, and the question today, the question today for you, wherever you sit, whatever, uh, whether you're in your PJs or, or whether you're out at a park, whether you're sitting in your car watching your, your, your iPhone or wh- whatever it, platform you're on, the question is, do you? Do you believe that, that God is able to, to raise himself from the dead, that he's able to defeat death. You see, it makes all the difference because if you aren't expecting him, you're gonna miss him. And, and a lot of people in history have missed him. A, a lot of religions have missed him and, and, and they just weren't ready. And, and I hope you're ready today to believe that God really can do what he says he can do. And, and I hope you do. You know, it said when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the 11 and to the others. It, it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others who, who, with them who told this to the apostles. But what's really fascinating is they didn't believe the women either. They didn't believe the women because their words to them seemed like nonsense. It, it, it was, it was kind of like the thing at Pearl Harbor. The admiral just thought it was impossible that there could be aircraft coming at him and he dismissed it out of sense. And that's really what's happening here, isn't it? Yeah, and it goes on in this passage talking about that, that Peter was at the tomb also. And I think that's one of the most fascinating things to me, that Peter was at the tomb. Because if you know the story, not too many days before, 
Peter had, in Jesus' most needed moment, had denied three times. The same Peter who said, I'll even die for you, I'll do whatever, denied that he knew Jesus in Jesus' most vulnerable moment. But Peter's at the tomb, and I can only imagine what's going through his mind. I think I probably know he's hopeless. He feels shame. He feels all these other things. And that's actually what he did. He ran away. And that's what happens for us when we fail. Yeah. At least, you know, we have that shame, that reason to run away. Maybe some of you this morning are running away. Uh, maybe literally, maybe figuratively. Uh, maybe some, that's why you don't uh, even go to church. Or even today, you're skeptical about staying on because of that shame that's holding you down. Or you're like, man, if God, if only God, if God knew what I've done or what I've thought or what I haven't done that I know I was supposed to do, he wouldn't accept me. Well, I guess here's the good news. He already knows and he wants to accept you. He wants to offer that forgiveness. I love what in Mark's account, the gospel of Mark says this. It says, the angels told Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, go tell his disciples and Peter, that he is going ahead, being Jesus, is going ahead of you in the Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And Peter. And tell Peter I love him. Tell him that he matters, that there's nothing he could have done that's ever going to separate him from my love. You know, he's, he's saying the same thing to you this morning. He's saying, come to me. Will you accept me, the resurrected Jesus, will you accept me? So I think the question is this, what sin, what failure, what hang-up seems final to you? Like it's the final nail. It, you can't come back. You don't think you can come back from that. God would never forgive you. He would never, it, it kind of just seals the deal. And I, I'm reminded of this quote, and I love this quote, and uh, maybe you want to Put this somewhere. It's, I said this when it comes to God's salvation and his forgiveness. It says, God hurls our sins and failure into the depth of the sea, and then he puts up a sign that says, no fishing. No fishing. <laughs> and that's really how it is. He hurls our sin. When we come to him in humility and repentance, which is saying change of heart, change of mind, he says to us, I'm going to forgive you, and I'm going to take it, I'm going to throw him into the sea, and I'm not going back. We're not bringing them back up. We're not reeling them back in. They're forgiven. It's done. You it's know, a, Mark, I, don't you think that's why Peter ran to the tomb? Like, like it was his last hope. I, re, I really just, I, I'm just struck by that, how the other disciples dismissed it. And everybody else dismissed it, but, but Peter had run away. He had given up hope of, of, of he, had, he had betrayed his friend. He, he, he betrayed the Lord. And, and he, he felt like there was no way back. And yet, when he heard about the empty tomb, there was that just maybe small glimmer of hope. And I just wonder how many are out there today, you've got that same just small glimmer of hope. Like you, 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 you feel like you failed so badly. Like Mark said, you've, you've, you've messed up so much that there's no way out. There, there's, no way, there's no way to get back. You know, when I was a when I was a kid, I, I ran track, and uh, one of my favorite races was the 800. Um, and, and in high school, I got good enough, I got to run at the sectionals. The 800 was a great race, and the reason, Mark, was because it, it took stamina, it took strategy, and you had to have some speed along the way. Like, it just had it all. In the first lap, you would go out quick, but you couldn't go out too quick, because if you tightened up, you weren't going to make the whole race. And, and then after you get into that second lap, about on the back stretch, you'd start to pick it up, and you would just take off, but you couldn't go full out 
out, but you were pretty close and you tried to lose the pack. And then when you came around just to the end, that's when you would kick it into gear. And I remember running at the sectionals, I'd make it all the way around the first lap and then the second lap. And I was in the top three or four. And those people got to go on to the next race. And, and I remember I'm coming down the backstretch and somehow when I came around that turn, I, I must have hit the line a couple times. Well, I, I finished the race. I was in the top three. I knew I was going to go to the next level. And a judge came to me and he told me, uh, an official, that I had been disqualified because I'd ran two consecutive steps. I, my foot had hit the line and it was over. It, it was done. And I think there are a lot of people that feel that way. And, and when, you have, when, when you've gone outside the boundary of God, when you haven't hit the 17 inches of the plate and you know it and you knew it, you knew better, just like Peter knew better, it, there, there's, a, there's a hopelessness. And, and yet, the reason that Luke puts this story in the gospel, and it's the end of the gospel, because it's the beginning of hope. It, it really is, Mark. And, and I don't know about you, but I, I've experienced shame in my own life where I needed God to come in and, and to forgive me, and I needed that glimmer of hope. Mark, have, have you, you've had the same thing. Yeah, once or twice. Yeah. Today. <laughs> Today. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so here's the truth about what Jesus did for you by the resurrection. And, and I'm going to get to this. Because he's resurrected, you and I can live resurrected. I, I want us to understand that if you don't get anything else today, because Jesus Christ is resurrected from the dead, you and I can live resurrected. We can be made new. In fact, that's the great promise in all of Scripture, that if anyone is in Christ, the, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. And we can live a resurrected life. We can be made new. And, and there's something about being made new that gives you a hope, that gives you a joy. I, I can just imagine that's why Peter ran to the tomb, because he needed hope and there was nowhere else to find it. He needed a new start. He wanted to be made new. He wanted another chance and, and there was nowhere else to turn. He couldn't roll the stone away himself. And so he was depending on what Jesus did and he was hoping it was, it was true. Because when we have that resurrection, when we live a resurrected life, not only do we get eternity with God forever, not only does he remove our shame, but he does all kinds of things, doesn't he, Mark? Yeah. Today, you can, you can experience resurrection from sin. Yeah. You can experience resurrection from guilt. How many of you need resurrection of a hope? Resurrection of purpose in your life. For others of you listening this morning, you need a resurrection of your marriage. You need a resurrection of your relationship with your kids. You need a resurrection of something in your life that you thought was dead, that you thought was gone, that you thought had no hope. But I want you to know this morning, the resurrected Jesus wants to bring resurrection into your life. Here's how I know you can win. He won. Because Jesus won, because he defeated death, you and I can have victory over whatever's holding you down. And so this morning, I bet there's a bunch of you, a bunch of you watching who desperately want this resurrection. And today, today we're going to give you an opportunity to invite the resurrected Jesus, that hope that only he can provide into your life. And when you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, he died to to remove your sin, to to give you an eternal life with him and all the good that he's ever created for you. That's what he wants for you. He wants you to live a resurrected life, and he wants you to be able to overcome the, the difficulties and the heaviness of things in this life so that you know this isn't all there is, so you can truly live today. And, uh, and we want you to make that decision 
today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we first of all thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to this earth who lived the perfect sinless life and then died a death that all of us deserve. So Christ, I thank you this morning for being the substitute, for taking the penalty that I deserved, that those of us listening deserved, and you took it upon yourself on the cross. And Jesus, your word says that you died on the cross while we were still sinners. In other words, while we were still betraying you, while we were still going our own way and pushing you to the side and saying, you know what, you don't matter in my life, I'm gonna do my own thing. You were dying on the cross in that moment for us. Father, we don't deserve that gift that you gave us in your son. Jesus, we don't, we don't deserve the gift that you've given us to, by dying on the cross and paying our price and, and going in our stead. Thank you for who you are, Jesus. Thank you for what you've done in our life. Maybe today for the first time you've realized that when God looks at you and looks at the sin, and if you ask him for forgiveness, that he truly will toss it into that lake and put up the no fishing sign. And so if you're listening today and, and you've never given your life to Christ, I'm not even going to pray the prayer. I'm going to kind of lead you in that. I want you to pray that. But essentially, you need to acknowledge your sin, number one, that your sin broke the relationship. The realization that the Bible says all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's perfect standard. And then second of all, after you acknowledge that, you invite Christ in. You ask him to come into your life and become the, the Savior the only one who can save you, but also ask him as best as you know how to become the Lord and become the leader of your life this morning. And Father, we are just so grateful that you're a God who draws people's hearts to yourself, that you reveal these truths to who people are when they really want to, to see who you are, when they really want to know the truth. And so we pray that this would be the day that would change everything. Well, you know, Mark, it, uh, it's been a joy of being able to share God's Word uh, it, with you and, and with all of these folks today. And, you know, um, we would love to know if you've made that decision to begin to follow Jesus. If, if you've begun to live this resurrected life, what God wants for you, we would love to know that. So if you just share it, maybe on social media there, you can, uh, you can fill out the Connect card, uh, give us a wave, let us know. We would, we would be encouraged by that. But, but we also just want to pray for you. We want to know what's going on in your life. We believe God is using this moment uh, in, in, in this, this space right now um, to, to really just change people's lives. You know, somebody, I was in the life group and somebody shared with me, they said, I wonder if this whole coronavirus thing is, is, is God sending us all to our rooms? And uh, <laughs> I don't think that's the case, but, but it is interesting that God is using this in some pretty fantastic ways. So let me leave you with this. Stop looking for the living among the dead. That, that, that's the verse that, that I just want to resonate all through your head. Stop looking for the living among the dead. He is risen. Turn to Jesus Christ. We know we got a great series coming up. Uh, I hope you'll join us. Blueprint, uh, you'll see it at both campuses. We're going to be talking about family. You will not want to miss it. So God bless you and uh, live resurrected. Thanks for joining us today. 
To stay up to date with our weekly messages, make sure to subscribe and follow us on social media. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or download our app to stay connected with all things The Valley. And if today's message impacted you, share it with a friend, because changed lives change lives.